0: A Dog's Life is brought to you by Earth Animal No-Hide Wholesome Chews. Earth Animal No-Hide Wholesome Chews are a healthy, heavenly, hand-rolled alternative to rawhide made from grass-fed beef, humanely raised chicken and wild-caught Atlantic salmon. They're 100% free of chemicals, additives, bleach and formaldehyde. It's the sustainable way to keep your dog healthy, happy and filled with goodness and love. Mr. Binks and Prudence have never had a rawhide because in my book, they're not healthy. So imagine their excitement to enjoy a no-hide chew. Apart from helping to keep their teeth clean, chewing is an instinctual behavior that helps calm dogs by releasing happy hormones. Both Mr. Binks and Prudence relish the natural chewing experience from start to finish. And it gives me peace of mind that I'm giving them a treat that they were born to enjoy. In fact, no hide chews are rated as excellent for digestibility, 80% compared to just 18% for raw hide. You can find earth animal no hide wholesome chews at a pet shop near you or online at earthanimal.com forward slash uk i'm anna webb and welcome to a dog's life oh mr binks you do have very big pointy ears and prudence you do have very big chewing jaws on a no-hide wholesome chew, but could these characteristics be your 1% makeup that's actually wolf? The question of whether we domesticated wolves or whether they domesticated us is still unclear, but a recent scientific finding of a prehistoric puppy named Dogor might be the missing clue I'm so excited because we're talking to Dave Stanton, who is a fellow of the Swedish Museum of Natural History. He's been involved in studying Dogar, and we're about to jump on Zoom and find out more. Dave, thank you so much for joining me on A Dog's Life to talk about Dogar, the prehistoric puppy.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: How excited were you when you learnt of Dogor's discovery?
1: So, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating find. Um, so, I mean, the first thing that I would urge your listeners to do if they haven't heard of Dogor before is to go and look up some pictures of it. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's just a fantastically well-preserved specimen. Uh, and I suppose on initially finding it, it wasn't that exciting, I suppose, because I mean, it looks very much like a modern uh, dog or wolf uh, pup because it's very, it's very young, uh, the specimen. Um, but what really became exciting was when we were able to date the specimen. Uh, we found out it was about eighteen thousand years old, uh, so it's really old, um, uh, which is kind of remarkable, really, because of how well preserved it is. Um, and the other thing as well, uh, the first thing that we did was, was check the quality of the DNA in the specimen, um, and which is really important when uh, you're working in the field that I work in. Uh, it's sort of evolutionary genetics, we need to know that the DNA is good and, and it turns out that it was pretty good. Uh, so that's when it became really exciting.
0: They say that uh, dogs' DNA reveals that they're 99% wolf, Dave. Um, is this a bit like uh, the comparison that there's only 1% of our genetic makeup that's uh, different from some primates?
1: Yes, in a sense, uh, that, is, that is the case. Um, in the sense that you know, dogs and wolves are, evolutionarily speaking, very close to each other and we are relatively close to chimpanzees. Um, but it's, we're talking about a sort of different, slightly different order of magnitude, I suppose, uh, the difference between us and chimpanzees and wolves and dogs. I mean, dogs really are basically wolves. Um, you know, they're a very distinct type of wolf and they've had a lot of changes. And there has been some element of separation between the two. Um, but we're talking tens of thousands of years, whereas I think the, the divergence between humans and chimpanzees is, is in the order of, of seven million years. So, yeah, it is, quite a, it is quite a difference there.
0: Dogor, I mean, you're right. He looks so sweet. How old do you think he was when he froze? Uh,
1: I've, I've heard that uh, the estimate is um, about two, two months old, something like that. Um, i haven 't actually seen the specimen in person, so I work in a in a genetics lab so we got sent a sample of deborn so i haven 't actually been able to see him but but he's you know he's a he's a pup he's a he's a he's a young individual um,
0: yeah and in some of the 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 press i read um it, it was muted that there was evidence around where he was found that there was some evidence of humans is that correct
1: um it's a bit of a it's a bit of a contentious one that i think i mean there certainly were uh humans around that part of the world at that time um but i don't think there's evidence of any humans associated with this specimen Uh, i think there's people that would like to sort of say that um but you know i think you know, dogwood wasn't found in a sort of archaeological setting, you know, it wasn't associated with any kind of archaeological site or anything like that. So any evidence of sort of a human association is is uh, is probably fairly limited.
0: It's just, you know, thinking about this missing link, because dog owners are often a bit bemused to think that their little pug is uh Uh, 99 percent genetically related to the wolf you know it is quite extraordinary that we now just with the the british kennel club there are over 222 odd pedigree breeds that all look um extremely different some are more similar than others so to find this missing link um (laughs) is, is 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 the holy grail almost because the gray wolf of course which is um predominantly um, you know it's a wolf that still exists it's not extinct isn't necessarily the wolf that is the ancestor to our dogs is that right
1: yeah exactly so it's I mean it's it's a question of um, where when and how dogs are domesticated has kind of eluded scientists for for a really long time Um, I mean it was certainly just by looking at them you can sort of Speculate that they were domesticated from wolves, and you know, that's what people thought. And and the sort of early genetic work showed that that was the case. You know, certainly the closest relative um, to dogs is wolves. Uh, but you know, these the first sort of papers that came out then were all trying to sort of say where dogs were domesticated. They're trying to sort of quite often you get a paper coming out of. Uh, some region in Europe, and, and they might say, oh, it turns out the dogs are domesticated from our particular part of the world. Uh, and then a different researcher would say the same thing in a, in a different part of the world. Um, and as it happens, the reason why it was so difficult to answer that question is because all, so all dogs have a common ancestor at some point back in time, and all wolves have a common ancestor at some point back in time. Um, but those two things happened independently and and what that really means is that dogs were domesticated from a population of wolves that doesn't exist anymore so the population of wolves dogs were domesticated from has gone extinct and that's why it's so difficult originally to answer this question and really that's where the research that that we're doing in my lab comes in because we look backwards in time we do what's called ancient DNA so we try and look at fossils and get DNA out of fossils to try and answer questions like this.
0: And so Dogar being a pretty intact body must be really exciting for you and potentially could Dogar be this wolf that or dog-like creature that is now obviously extinct that is perhaps the missing link?
1: So, the, I mean, I suppose the interesting thing about this specimen is that it doesn't – if, if Dogar was clearly uh, – a dog, it would it would be quite clearly evident in the genetics, so it would actually be quite straightforward to sort of say that the fact that we're unable to say whether it is an early dog or not is is quite interesting in itself, um, and it's probably because of the time period that this specimen comes from. So I think I mentioned just just before it, we dated it, we radiocarbon dated it to about 18,000 years old. Um, and it's a, it's a time when the climate was changing really rapidly. Um, so the last ice age, we call the last glacial maximum, was at the time around 22,000 years ago. Um, and after that time, the ice sheets started receding, and populations started moving and, and expanding, mixing. So it's a really important time in. Uh, in sort of determining the wildlife that we have um, around the world today. Um, and, and so there's specimens from just after that time, time point. So it's really hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what it is what it is, and it could be that that's because of sort of some hybridization, some mixing between different populations. Perhaps it is ancestral and it's quite close to the sort of split between different evolutionary lineages. We're not sure yet um but yeah hopefully with a bit more data we will sort of be able to dig into that question a little bit more
0: because he was totally intact he had hair and whiskers and his brain was intact wasn't it and his digestive system
1: yeah really really fantastic so um like I, you know I've, like i said I, I haven't actually seen the specimen but i've just seen photos as well um but yeah it's I, I know that there's people doing ct scans and things like that to really i mean i guess a specimen like this you don't want to disturb it too much, uh, but I, I, you know, there's, uh, we're going to try and do some uh, kind like a, a non-invasive autopsy of it, as, as non-invasive as can be done, and perhaps look at the stomach contents and that sort of thing, so that might give us some more clues about, about what this is.
0: Yes, well, looking at his teeth, um, to me anyway, he looks like uh, an excellent carnivore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, certainly, uh, I mean... Um, it looks very, it looks very cute in the photos. Uh, I'm sure it wouldn't, it's not going it wouldn't have been that cute when it uh, when it got a little bit older. I
0: <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> Previously, what was the oldest dog-like creature found? Then.
1: Um, so yeah, there's been a, there's been a few specimens uh, found that have kind of been speculated to be dogs. Um, the oldest one that is com- is a confirmed dog um is what's called the bond of a castle uh canid and that's about 15,000 years old um so yeah it's so that's the oldest confirmed but then there's a lot going once you get earlier in that time you kind of you have a lot of people claiming that this specimen is is a is a dog um but obviously as you go back in time closer to the point when dogs are domesticated it's going kind to of become harder to to tell the difference, you know what I mean, as these things become closer, closer related.
0: Well, I guess originally, would they have all, have been dogs because surely uh, if legend um, is right it was a friendlier form of wolf than the grey wolf that potentially perhaps actually wanted to domesticate us (laughs) and show us humans the way (laughs) being man's best friend you know that these these potential wolf-like creatures dog-like creatures thought well actually oh look there's humans over there cooking some meat I quite fancy a bit of that so let's be friendly and And from there, the domestication process came about. Um, Others would say that perhaps we went out and actively found the dog and uh, domesticated them using, you know, training techniques back in the day in the cave um, so that dogs would help us hunt, guard and so on. And the domestication process there thereby began. I mean, what do you think? Do you think dogs found us or we found the dogs?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, you, I mean, you look at dogs today and they're just so uh, so loyal and adorable. It's sort of hard to, um, yeah, you kind of, you can see how it could happen that way around. They would almost domesticate us. Um, yeah, it's difficult to say. I've, I've spoken to people as well who say that um, it's very easy to to, I mean, you think sort of, I imagine in, say, Siberia, sort of a wolf's den. You would never go near that. But, I mean, I've spoken to people who work in Siberia, and they say it's quite easy to go into, uh, into wolf's dens, and, and, and you could take the pups from, from that if you, if you so wanted to. Uh, and I think people do, do that to supplement, um, sort of outbreed their, their dogs, you know, with uh, mix a bit of wolf into them. Um, So, you know, it's probably a mixture of things going on, I would have thought. I mean, it's probably like these things. It's never a simple, you know, it's never a simple answer. It's probably a mixture of of all of the above sort of thing.
0: Yes. Well, there's lots of um, wolf dogs um, around now. You know, a famous one is the Czechoslovakian wolf dog, which you've just said, you know, they've crossed German shepherds with actual wolves and produced... It is a dog, but with very wolf-like features and quite an aloof temperament. And they're they're big, you know. It's uh, what I would call, you know, a proper dog. <laughs> and there is that fascination to have a dog that looks like a wolf. Maybe going uh, back to something instinctual in in ourselves, because epigenetically, if we believe that dogs were first domesticated thirty thousand years ago, and you're saying the first actual dog to date was recorded 15,000 years ago, but other studies do imply it was longer, then that's a long time that we've lived side by side. And so some epi geneticists really believe that our relationship with dogs is what it is because we have evolved side by side that's why dogs can read our facial expressions understand pointing at birth whereas the chimpanzee as you'll know doesn't understand when you point at a banana it doesn't know what you're doing but if you point to a banana with a dog the dog will know that you asking the dog to go and pick up that banana for example so you know might you say that our relationship with dogs is much closer than some people might think because of that
1: absolutely i mean i i suppose um going back uh, many thousands of years people probably wouldn't have tolerated dogs in their communities if if they didn't have that kind of empathy that sort of shared empathy um, you know, I, they're clearly very intelligent animals. Um, and, you know, and it is because of that intelligence and that sort of empathy that um, that they do make such great companions. Um, you know, I don't think it's sort of coincidence that the, uh, the dog was the first animal to be domesticated. Uh, they, You know, they're, they're, they're fantastic pets and, and friends, really, aren't they? You know, I mean, they... Totally.
0: <laughs> Have you got a dog, Dave?
1: I don't know. I've got a, um, uh, I've got an eight-week-old daughter, so <laughs> we, oh. we wait until she gets a bit older, and then hopefully we'll get a dog.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So this part of Siberia, it's, it's fascinating, actually, um, because, of course, Dogor would never have been found if it hadn't been for climate change, which is, on the one hand, a bit tragic. Of course, he's been frozen for 18,000 years, and it kind of is, you know, evidence, of course, that the climate is warming up considerably, but uh, what what's so interesting about this part of Siberia? So
1: going back eighteen thousand years ago, it would have looked quite different uh, to how it looked today. I mean, that was when the ice sheets were uh, retreating. So I mean, it would have been it would have still been a lot colder than it than it was today. Um, I mean, it's a fascinating area, and it, you know, one that seems to keep throwing up interesting finds. And I mean, as you mentioned, it's it's partly due to climate change and and sort of the ice thawing out, this permafrost uh, thawing out, um, which is permafrost is it's frozen soil and, and yeah this this soil has been uh, much of it's been frozen for uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of years, so it's quite terrifying really that it's uh, that a lot of this is starting to, starting to thaw out. But Dogor was actually found in a um, in an ice tunnel. So this is uh, where a lot of the, the specimens that um, we've worked on in the past have come from. So there's people in, in Siberia who, uh, they mine, they, they basically mine the ice for ivory. So what they're looking for is mammoth, woolly mammoth ivory, and they use uh, water cannons to dig into, to tunnel into the ice, and they create these tunnels, and, uh, and they, can, they can find quite a lot of ivory doing this. Um, And sort of as a side, uh, sort of a a bonus to that, they they sometimes find specimens like this. So, yeah, we found Dogor and some fantastic uh, cave lions and woolly rhinos and woolly mammoths, very well-preserved specimens that come out of this area.
0: Wow. Gosh, that's so sad that they're taking the the ivory from the mammoths. It's almost, yeah, I don't like that. It's almost like digging up someone's grave almost. I mean, I thought ivory was banned, actually, but uh, we're digressing here. But uh, <laughs> So the, the debate that is quite contentious in a way, Dave, is working out whether dogs originated um, from Asia or whether there were dogs also in the Western part of, of the globe and which dogs really came first. What, what do you think?
1: Um, so... It's still an open question. I would say, if I if I had to guess, I'd say that uh, Asia is probably a, a good bet, just because there's less known uh, less known about um, canids in Asia going or uh, wolves and dogs in Asia going back into the past. Uh, there's less specimens there, so in a sense, sometimes absence of evidence might actually be evidence. Uh, in some way, because, you know, I I think there's been a lot done in a lot of ancient DNA done in Europe on trying to find the the origin of dogs, dog domestication. Um, And I think perhaps we might have found it there if it was there.
0: Well, it's interesting, I suppose, you know, in China, you've got the Chinese silks, um, that reference dogs going back to, you know, before the Ming Dynasty, which isn't quite 18,000 years, I don't think, but it's a long time. And so there were definitely dogs that were definitely not wolves, they were breeds at that point, like the Pekingese and the Tibetan Spaniel. So Yes, maybe um it was uh, the Asian side that created man's best friend. But how how have dogs turned into all these different varieties, Dave? Uh
1: I mean most of the most of the breeds that we know of today are really a uh result of sort of artificial breeding by Victorians. Um so you know I think perhaps um You know, and again, this might be one of the reasons why this question of uh, when and where dogs are domesticated is so different, because, you know, we think of dogs as being very distinct and very different from wolves, but that, you know, a lot of that may only be quite a recent phenomenon. Um, So as you go back in in time, you don't have to go back that far, and I would imagine that dogs started to... um, look very like walls um, and you know it, it perhaps would have been quite hard to tell the difference between the two and yeah that's why it becomes once you get back to sort of 15,000 years old um, you know trying to distinguish between the two you know they you know how based on how they look they, they may have been very little, difference between
0: them. Yes, and maybe, again, like you said, it might be a strain of wolf that was just particularly more biddable, more friendly than another type of wolf. But you see dogs, don't you, you know, in India, for example, the packs of wild dogs roaming around, and they all look the same (laughs) don't they they've all got the pointy ear or mostly um long nose you know they're built and shaped like a dog they've they've got long lean legs they can run a lot they can go hunting um they can breathe freely um and would you think they're perhaps one of the links to our past
1: yeah i mean they as you say they, they clearly are differences um and I mean, the difficulty in answering the question is that when we're looking at these um, potential early dogs, we're comparing them to dogs and wolves today. Um, and as we've just said, dogs are domesticated from a population of wolves that's extinct now. So really, we need to be trying to compare them to sort of ancient wolves from this place and ancient wolves from this other place. You know, um, so yeah, it's it's. It's, it's a very difficult question to, to answer to be honest. Um, and, and you know again, that's where um, sort of the, you know the, the research lab that I work in uh, looking at these ancient, ancient DNA, this is kind of perhaps the only way that we've got. Um, and certainly if we could get some some ancient specimens out of India or uh, southern China that were several thousand years old. You know that's when I think we could really answer this question definitively and say, okay, well this this genetic lineage, this is this is the ancestor of modern dogs. I mean you find that in a in a sort of twenty thousand year old specimen, then then you've then you've answered it. You know you've got the that's the sort of missing link there really. Um, trying to look at, at modern populations is very difficult because you know these things have interbred so much since that time. Anyway, uh, yeah, it becomes a lot more complicated.
0: Yes, but I'm still confused. Even if you found a specimen in southern China that um, was, say, twenty thousand years old, um, technically it is a wolf. You know, how does w- what's different about the DNA between a wolf and a and a dog if there is only one percent difference even today? It's a good, it's a good question, and
1: it's it's because the the sort of figure of one percent is, you know, it's quite. Um, it's a, it's difficult. It's a. It's perhaps not the best way to look at it in a way. I mean, we have you. You could. I mean, it depends on how what you mean by one percent difference. So every, you know, we're we're sort of sixty percent the same as a strawberry or something. You know, right? You know, like, what does that mean? You know, is that sixty percent? It's not necessarily anything. Anything that meaningful, um, because you know, one percent doesn't sound like a lot, but you have, you know, two and uh, two and a half billion letters in your genome. So actually, that you know, if one percent of them are different, that's that's a lot of differences that you can examine and look at uh, to tell the difference between the two. Um, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why things might be different. It's not necessarily related to uh, to how they look or um, or or what they do. You know, a lot of these differences are, are, are due to we'd say the, the demographic history, the you know, the the changes in population size that these populations have been through in the past and that sort of thing. So um, yeah there's a lot of kind of Different things going on. Um, but we're developing a lot of new analysis techniques that can kind of tease apart those differences now. Mm, well,
0: that's interesting. And what what else are you hoping to hoping that Dogor reveals when when you go to Sweden and um meet him in real
1: life? Um well, you know, as we said, the sort of um more information about the this sort of ancestral dogs would be very interesting. So Uh, Although I've said, you know, perhaps we need to get DNA from these ancient uh, populations in in India or China, um, even if Dogor doesn't end up being the ancestor of modern dogs, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have information in its genome that would be able to tell us about them. Uh, And there's parallels here. So there's a lot of work being done on Neanderthals and, and ancient humans. And and you can see evidence in our genomes of ancient uh, hybridization ancient uh, breeding with Neanderthals. And, and actually that can be quite informative so i mean these you know you can have almost sort of these these ghost populations these extinct populations living on in the genomes of, of modern animals or or in the case of dogor this sort of this animal from a key point in the evolutionary history of this, this species
0: how fascinating! So there might be something to do with his bone structure, for example, that relates to modern dogs. At the moment, is that what you mean? It could be, yeah. It could be
1: something like that. Um, we have a, a term uh, called adaptive integration. and introgression is is um, genes coming in from a different uh, from a different species. So some kind of hybridization event, and sometimes those genes can be adaptive. So it could be that um dogs get the, the ability to to be able to change into all these different breeds that we have today. Perhaps some of those traits come from extinct populations that, that were um the genes were introgressed into the ancestry of these of of these breeds. Um, so yeah I mean there's a huge amount we can say um and um, you know and part of that is just a case of collecting more data um and, and sequencing these specimens to sort of a a greater extent, and that can actually be quite enlightening.
0: So, how long do you think overall the project will go on with Dogor, and what will happen to him? His little body will—will will he end up being stuffed or something?
1: <laughs> um, I hope not. So he's 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 with our he's uh, with our collaborators in Russia at the moment. Um, so I would imagine that he'll be uh, preserved, well kept, kept cold, and, and well preserved uh and yeah i mean hopefully uh hopefully at some point he'll he'll go on tour and we can go and see him at uh, various museums uh, around the world um know and go and visit
0: him ourselves. oh yes let's uh hope he he puts London on his uh on his tour first absolutely yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh well thank you very much Dave you know it's great that you've joined us today and uh please stay in touch and we'd love an update obviously um as you get it so um hopefully you'll come back and chat
1: yeah absolutely sounds good
0: That's our show, Mr Binks. Well, I don't know about you, but I am really excited about seeing Dogor in the flesh when he goes on tour and comes to London. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. And while you're there, go on, give us a five-star review because it really will help other dog lovers find us. Thanks to my producer Mike Hansen at Pod People UK and thanks to Dave Stanton who's at Nibbled to Death and thanks also to you Mr Binks what's that yes we do have another show coming out next Sunday that's because A Dog's Life is now weekly so if you never want to miss a show please subscribe bye for now